Hi, I'm Anna McEwen, and this is The Epic Narrative. And now, my dad, Bob Switzer. Well, after after last last week, right, David uh, David ran off, uh, recaptured his stolen property, recaptured the kidnapped men, uh, women, servants, children. He ends up with way more than than he than he had before, and he's generous, right? He's reconnected to heaven. He's he's reconnected to the heart of the Father. He knows who he is he's acting out of his identity this is just this you know that was just that's a great story but meanwhile <laughs> we have this chapter going on it's for first uh, samuel 31 it's actually the last chapter of first samuel we are moving along in this story i know it's been like 20 something weeks of this but we are moving along and it's a good story uh, for sure. So this particular chapter is often uh, kind of referred to, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not one that you tend to break down uh, very much because it's, uh, it's just not. But while David is doing all that he's doing at Ziglag and chasing the raiders and, and all that, back on the battlefield... Israel uh, is, you know, up against the Philistines' army. This is a this is a big battle. Saul is leading them. Remember, Saul went back to the army in a state of of panic and fear after meeting with the witch and talking with Samuel. Saul did not repent. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, he didn't try to. He didn't try to work things uh what do I want to say work things out he didn't he didn't change his perspective he didn't go to God and say all right listen I clearly I've made a lot of choices that have brought me here and I desperately need your help to get out um this is this is the thing it's I know that there's lots of people who say well you know you shouldn't wait till you're in the last breath of your life to turn to God true it would have been nicer for you if you had turned earlier but it's not the wrong time. Like it's, there's never a wrong time to connect with heaven. There's never a, a wrong time to, you know, to, 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 yeah, to get right with God. Like there's just never a wrong time. So yeah, sometimes you, you wait to the last possible second or death is raining down around you, but, but that's not bad. It's the enemy, it's the, you know, religious thoughts, it's the it's the traditions of men that make us think, I, I got to get this right. Like, I've got to fix all the results of my choices before I can go to God because, well, I mean, it's my fault. And you're right. You're right. You did. It is your fault, so to speak. You did make the choices, but you're not right in that you have to fix it before you go back to God. Uh, sorry, I gotta take off my sweatshirt. It's warm down here in the basement. It was cool upstairs. Uh, so, what did I want? Where, where was I before I was so rudely interrupted? Oh yes. So it's not a bad time. It's, Saul could have went to God, but his own guilt, his own, 
his own self-doubt, his own self-rejection is all in the way. So he's leading the army, right? What, uh, when a leader is suffering with all those internal issues, he's, it's just difficult to lead. You're going to lead with, with a lot of bravado, a lot of pride. You're going to hide all of this. You don't want men to see you as indecisive and weak. And Saul's been living this, and he just keeps getting deeper and deeper into it. And so here he is in the largest battle of his, of his career. He has a pretty decent record against the Philistines, so he should have some confidence. He has his three sons there. They're all commanders in the army. And the battle is, you know, is raging on. Raging on. So in the days that 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 the battle rages, Saul loses all three of his sons. Now, I don't know if they all died on the same day or if they died over the three-day period, but he loses them all. And he doesn't recover them. They're, the, the, the battle is so intense. And the and this, you know, the strikes and counter-strikes and strategies and counter-strategies are so uh so continual all day long that there's no there's been no time to recover the dead but as i think his boys are identified at least as commanders but given the way that that they're treated afterwards i think that they wore uh they wore things that would identify them as royalty and that's because Saul did that Saul wore his crown into battle he wore his his bracelets that identified him as a, you know, as the king, as royalty. And and in the battle, it's 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 pretty clear that the Philistines have the upper hand. And I'm guessing that there's a lot of warriors in the battle that are thinking, really wish David was here with us now. It's not that everybody around him was bad. It's that David was. He was the goat, right? He was the greatest uh, commander of all. And he always seemed to come up with a way. He always seemed to inspire the men to fight a little harder, to push back the enemy. And Saul couldn't find that inspiration because fear doesn't inspire. Fear doesn't help people dig deeper and battle harder. Fear creates a culture of survival. So when things get tough, you tend to look for a place to hide. You tend to, you tend to, yeah, run. <laughs> you tend to run from the battlefield. And I imagine that's what a lot of these guys were doing. They, they would run to the back of the back of the line. They would, they they couldn't run away because Saul would probably have had them killed. So either way, they were they were dead. They were just trying to delay the inevitable. They were, they were hopeful that somebody else would step up. Somebody else would take over. Somebody else's would. Somebody else would come up with a strategy that would give them the advantage. And I, you know, that's just the culture of fear that that is naturally created, and that's what these men were fighting under. Now, the way where this battle was being fought, it would have been observed by all the towns that were threatened. the 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 valley that was you know that was picked was picked because of the because of the location and its proximity to other cities. And and because the battles often were um, uh, planned out, 
there would be observers from the cities and from the towns, and they're watching Saul. They're watching the strategies. They're, it's you know, it's not, it's not like watching television, but they could stay at a distance that would keep them safe. And if and and it was it was kind of a given, like their lives were on the line, right? So the Philistines won. They knew to run back to their, to their villages and towns and try to survive. Saul is overwhelmed. He's panicked. He's in fear. His pride is keeping him arrogant. He's probably pretending everything's fine. But it says, it says the Philistines, <laughs> says the Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul, and they killed his sons. And the fighting grew fierce around Saul, and the archers overtook him, and they wounded him critically. So Saul is literally, like like the, the phrases in this, like Saul is literally running for his life. This this little paragraph, this opening paragraph of, of chapter 31 is basically shows you that that the three sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Mahlach Shalu. I have honestly, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those of you who know how to enunciate all that. You're probably like you probably are looking it up right now in the Bible because you're thinking, I don't even know the words he said. I don't even, like. There's no way that's that's how they. <laughs> that's probably true. There probably is no way that's how it sounds. But the 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 nuances of the of the phrasing here is that these guys were chased down and killed. That's why I think they were identified. They were commanders, so they probably had some identification as commanders. But I also think that they were they were noted as royalty. Maybe it was a bracelet, maybe it was a sash. Uh, there was there was some level of of identification as to who they were, and the Philistines went after them. Like that was part of their strategy. Part of their strategy was to take out the commanders and specifically the ones that that were related to Saul. They wanted to take out Saul's sons, as you would for you know in, in battle. You're you're always looking to take out the commanders. Because that brings more disarray, it brings you know uh, leadership starts to fall. Uh, other you know leaders that aren't as qualified, aren't as experienced, have to step up into that role. And and there's there's lots of stories, uh, lots of great war movies about you know people that were called up who suddenly had to be put in charge because of because of battle wounds or because of the death of a commander. And and you know in the movie they usually all turn out great, but generally speaking. It isn't a great thing. Generally speaking, when your commander went down, you didn't know who to turn to for help. These guys were not full-time military men. It looks like and sounds like Saul kept about three or 4,000 troops in the capital city that would have been closer to full-time. But even then, it was only probably about a, a year or two-year commitment, and then he would rotate them out. And he'd rotate them out with the other uh, tribal leaders. Their sons would come and, and, and give their time to the nation and protect Saul. So, so these guys, when, when the commanders went down, there was more disarray, which is why the Philistines kept gaining ground. They kept taking on uh, more um, momentum. And now they're chasing Saul, literally chasing Saul. And it says the archers... Uh, overtook him. So where Saul is running, 
And I, uh, you know, he's alone, not really alone. He's got his armor bearer with him. And I'm guessing everyone's kind of scattered. He's not surrounded with his guards. His guards have abandoned him. The, the elite guards that were committed to obey Saul at, at every choice have, maybe they've already been dispatched because Saul was desperate. Uh, he sent them to the, to the front line to try and, to try and win this battle and they, and they didn't. And Saul starts to run and the, and the archers see him. So they're running, they're chasing him, but it's not, it's not like they're running to get close to him. They're just running to get a good shot and they do. And they wound him critically. I'm guessing this is probably a leg wound, like right through his thigh, maybe through the back as he was running away. It could have been through the side. Uh, maybe they caught him while he was trying to get around a cliff or around a, a tree or something. But but it's critical. It's, it's the type of hit that to an archer, they knew it was over. They were like, he, we got him. He's dead. So they go back. They leave him alone. They walk away. They they go back maybe to tell their commanders, hey, we've killed Saul. We nailed him. He's got an arrow that went right through his, like right through wherever. I Like I said, I imagine it's a leg wound because he can't run anymore. So he looks at his armor bearer. Now, like this this death scene is, is fascinating to me. So he's been running, right? His, his heart rate is up. His breathing's up. He's sweaty. He's dirty. He's still wearing his crown. He's still got his bracelets on, so he hasn't shedded. He didn't shed anything that would have weighed him down, that was clearly weighing him down, which is probably another spiritual lesson about how when you're in the battle <laughs> and you're being chased, it's always good to uh, to drop your your heavy weighted things that that uh, that weigh you down. But Saul didn't. He's still wearing it all. And he's he's probably propped up against a rock. Maybe he's maybe he's kind of crawled into to a place where he thinks is a little safer, where it's a little harder to see him. Uh, so that so that uh, you know he he can see that the archers have left. That the I don't know how many were chasing him. Uh, it's the the word there is plural. So it could have been two of them. It could have been five of them. I don't think it was too many of them. It was probably just a small party of archers that that you know would have been would have been uh, in the out on the front lines like chase these guys down just take your shots like let's see what happens. So they nail this guy. They get excited. They leave. Saul sees them leaving. He finds a little nook or cranny uh, where he can where he can uh, be safe for a few minutes. His armor bearer is with him, probably right next to him. They're both breathing heavy. They're both wondering what to do next. The armor bearer might have even said, you know, where, what do you want to do? And Saul's evaluating himself. He's evaluating the situation. He's like, you know, we're losing this battle. Uh, my sons are dead, so I've lost, I've lost my, you know, my, my heritage. I'm wounded. I can't run. He's filled with self-pity, right? He's filled with with disappointment and being uh, and and feeling like a disappointment. 
He knows that he's made poor choices on the battlefield today. I'm not saying he did this all the time. I think he was a fairly good commander, generally speaking. His men are running. The Philistines are overtaking the land. He's evaluating everything. He's he's sitting there and he and he just he just doesn't want to go on. He doesn't want to be taken captive. He doesn't want to um, die, you know, in a in a Philistine holding tank or jail or prison, whatever you want to call it. He doesn't want to be made fun of and and turned into throne room fodder, which is not unusual. Often when kings were captured, they would drag them, you know, they'd keep them alive, barely alive. Uh, they would drag them out during banquets and and festivals to their idols, and they would they would humiliate them. We see a picture of that in the story of Samson, but that was not unusual for for foreign you know foreign commanders, foreign um, kings, captured kings to be turned into entertainment. Saul's Saul's got a lot on his on his mind right now. He feels rejected by God. He feels left by God. It's not true, but he feels it. And and the you know the emotions are real. He's pretty confident. Everybody hates him. Everybody's abandoned him. He looks uh, over at his over at his uh, armor bearer and he says, uh, "Draw your sword." And kill me. Or these uncircumcised people are going to come and run me through and abuse me. Right? He looks at all this and he says, I'd rather, I'd rather just, just kill me now. Because if they find me, they know I'm dying slow. They're going to run me through. They'll, they'll hang me from a stick. They'll march me through the land. I'll have to slowly, you know, die in front of everyone. Or, you know, worse, you know, like they'll take me back to their capital city, all that kind of stuff. He's he's talking this all through with the with the armor bearer. And the armor bearer was terrified. And he wouldn't do it. Now I don't I don't know if he wouldn't do it. It's well it says he was afraid. I, I'm guessing he was afraid of of being the one who killed the king. He was afraid of what would happen to him when the when the other elders of the nation found out about it. Remember, this is a this is a nation that that is a power hungry nation. And when a word got out that he killed the king, he would be he would be probably put to death. So he's afraid. He's like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I can't do it. I can't do it, sir. I can't do it. I can't do it, my lord. So Saul takes his 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 own sword and he falls on it right through the gut. I've heard this is a, that that anything that happens to the intestines whether it's a shot or a knife wound is incredibly painful. I don't know if Saul uh you know, propped the sword up and and fell on it. I don't know if he rolled over. 
I don't know if this was a dagger, a full-side sword. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But he falls on his sword. He falls on his sword. And, he's, and, and you think, all right, it's over. And because this, the armor bearer thinks Saul is dead, he falls on his sword as well. So Saul, in essence, commits suicide. And Saul dies on the same day as his three sons and his armor bearer. And the Israelites all along the valley and across the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead. That's what I'm saying. This, this whole battle was being observed. Everybody was, that was there was observing Israelites were losing. They were being pushed around. The men were starting to run. They they saw that Jonathan died, that that his brother Abinadab died, and then the other brother that I can't announce, I can't enunciate. I just I'm not even gonna try. They died. Everybody's watching this, and then they see that when they see that Saul has died, they abandoned their towns and they ran. They, I'm sure they ran home first and tried to grab a few things, but then they kept on going. Because why were the Philistines trying to, you know, why was the battle there? It was because the Philistines wanted their towns. They wanted these these border towns. They wanted they wanted the cities. They wanted the resources. So the people left, and the Philistines came to those to those villages and they occupied them. They took the plunder. They moved in. The Philistines had defeated, the national Philistine army had defeated the national uh, Israeli army, and they took the spoils of the war. They moved into the country. The next day, so they let all the dead people sit for another day. The Philistines came out, and they stripped the dead, and they found Saul and his three sons. That's, that's, they knew who they were. They cut off his head, they stripped him of his armor, and they sent messengers through the lands of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among all their people. They put his armor in the temple, and they fastened his body to the wall. This was all, all of his sons. They took, they took, they took what was left of, of his identity. Remember, Saul never, not never, I'm sure Saul periodically understood who he was, but he never stepped fully into who God had created him to be. And because of that, he he decorated himself in what he thought he should be. His identity was in his, in his crown, in his bracelets, in his spear, in his sword. You know, sometimes that happens I, I, with people the way that they, you know, the way that they dress. They pick a style. They pick a style because they think this is who I am. I am this type of person. I am this type of person. And it, it doesn't matter. They can pick a celebrity. They can pick a sports person. They can, they can pick a best friend. They can pick a... They could pick a professor that they that they really admire. They could pick a parent. I, I don't know. Like, it doesn't matter. But when you don't know who you are, you tend to make your identity out, outward because you can't live from the inward. 
you're not sure who the inner is. And sometimes, I, yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Hairstyles, tattoos are another way. I'm not saying all tattoos are this, but a lot of people will tattoo themselves in, a, in, an, in an effort to let people know who they are, but they don't know who they are. And, you know, some tattoos are, are artistic. Some tattoos come from that inner place of identity. They want to be identified. They want you to know who they are inside. And, and you know, some are, some are just are just out there, I guess. But anyways, tattoos would be another way. So they take him of his outer identity. They cut off his head. Uh, they they hang his body on the side of a wall. They humiliate him. Just exactly what's, what Saul had predicted would happen to him, happened to him. And then these people from Jabeth of Gilead, they heard that what the Philistines had done to Saul. So I'm guessing this was several days later as word got out. And they sent a, a troop of men, some valiant men, they marched overnight to where to the walls where where Saul and his sons were, and they took the bodies down, and they went back to where they came from, and they gave them a proper burial. They burned them, and then they gathered the bones and they buried them under a tree there in their there in their town. Now it's interesting to me that. Uh, no one from the tribe of Benjamin went after the bodies of Saul and his sons. These these were not, uh, you know, you'd hang up the bodies, basically saying, come get them if you want them. It usually wasn't uh, going to turn into a huge battle for you to come get the bodies. There was There was some sense of just make it really difficult for them to get them. And that's what these guys had done. They hung them from the wall and basically said, come get them if you want them. This is where they are. And so these guys come. Now, who are these guys? Well, they're from, uh, they're from this, a story in Judges. Um, I believe it's uh, 19 through 21. But, but basically, things happen in their tribe. And they, uh, in, in, that, in that time period, in, in gratefulness, and in order to keep their tribe alive, Okay, they're, they're, the men of their tribe were, in essence, wiped out. So the, the tribe sent 400 women to the tribe of Benjamin, to Saul's family, to Saul's tribal family, not his immediate family, so that, so that some level of their bloodlines could, could be maintained. And out of gratefulness for that, this one, you know, this city that was that had kind of reemerged from this tribe out of gratefulness for making sure that their tribe was was uh, was sustained. They responded when they heard what had happened to Saul, because Saul had protected them. Saul had protected them. He had come to their defense. So their their tribe owed Saul. They owed their they owed the tribe of Benjamin, and they owed Saul his his protection. He defended them. So they went. That's the that's the little city. That's the little tribe that sent some valiant men. 
They had a long history. They had a long history. They had a passion. They were like, we're not going to let this happen to the man who, in essence, saved us and defended us. So they take his bodies down. I don't, you know, I'm sure it was difficult. They probably brought ladders. They got up on the wall. They cut them down. I'm guessing there were a few guards that maybe gave them a hassle, but no one really fought them on this. And they, they bring them all the way back to their, their town. They burn their bodies. They gather the bones, and they give them a proper burial as, as royalty. And like I said, I find it interesting that no one from the tribe of Benjamin came after. They could have. There was time. No one from, you know, the tribe of Judah. No, no one from the nation of Israel comes to get Saul. When you live under a culture of fear, when, when the leader who leads you is always looking to control you, who, you know, the only, uh, uh, you know, one of the main things they do is constantly remind you is that, you know, without them, you wouldn't have what you have. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have the job. You wouldn't have the money. You wouldn't have, in this case, the land or the livestock or the houses or the position of leadership. Your spirit gets wore out by that. And usually when the when the leader who controls by fear leaves, the people, you know, they might send them off really nice, but they're not they're not sad that they're gone. And I think that's what happened here. Saul was dead. Yes, they the people felt horrible for the losing of the battle and for the death of all of these men and for the loss of the villages and the towns that the Philistines now occupied. But there was another part of them that were like, well, maybe this is the, for the best. Like, like there was, there was not a, they, they were defeated, but in some ways it was like, well, at least we kind of start over again. We'll figure this out. Like there's enough of us. We had some good times. We we won a lot of battles. I'm sure there were a few people that were like, well, where's David again? And there were others who were immediately looking for the, the bloodline of David of, of Saul. Like who would be the next in line now that the three sons of Saul were dead? Who who's gonna be the next king? So the nation is in turmoil. The, the the government is without leadership on lots of levels because Saul's gone and his sons are gone. They're defeated, they're embarrassed, they've been humiliated, and nobody takes up a sword. Nobody puts together a small troop of men to go down to the to uh, where they had hung him, Beth Bethshan, Bethshan. Nobody goes there to, to get Saul and his and his sons. Nobody takes him back for a royal burial. Nobody wants to honor the family. It's this is fascinating to me. Because it speaks of relationship and the lack thereof. It speaks of disappointment. I don't know if Saul's father's alive at this point, but but there are uncles and there are cousins and there are brothers. Who could have said, you know what? Let's go get him out of in the in the name of family. Let's go get him. Nope. Nope. They let him hang there. They let him be humiliated. A lot of times in a culture of fear, the person in leadership is the one who does all the humiliating. 
I'm sure Saul had done that. He intimidated and humiliated people with his spear, threatened them with death, made them cower in front of him when it came to people who opposed him. And now he's being humiliated, and a lot of those people who were in leadership who were forced to change their minds are like, yeah, I'm okay with that. Let's figure out what we're doing next. Let's figure out who the next in line is. Let's put together a different government. Some of these guys who had gotten positions purely out of out of uh, favor from Saul, right? They're power hungry. This is a power vacuum. This is a political opportunity, as they would, as politicians would say. Let's take this opportunity. There were there were side meetings. There were backdoor meetings. There were tribal meetings. There were messengers being sent back and forth. There was all kinds of political intrigue. Meanwhile, Saul's hanging on the side of a wall. And then this tribe, this city, this little village, who had who had a connection to Saul, who appreciated him, they honored him. I think that's awesome. I know Saul struggled. I've, I think we've covered that. <laughs> I know he had a, he had issues. But Saul wasn't all evil. Saul did the right thing in a lot of ways. Because the goodness of God is never separated from us. And that's one of the illustrations that I think we see here. So many times people want to write off the life of Saul as, as this devil-possessed or oppressed person who had, you know, who had nothing but issues and, and, and bad decisions and evil intentions and bad motives and poor choices. But he didn't make, that wasn't true for all the time. There was many times that he connected to God. He just didn't stay there. There are many times the wisdom and advice he, he took and uh, was, was worth it, and it was good, and people flourished. There were, there were many times that they won battles, maybe not you know the big national ones, but they won a lot of smaller ones. There was, there was some good things here in, in Saul's life, and I think the, you know this town remembered that. They remembered that, at least from their perspective, Saul took care of them. Saul kept them alive. And if nothing else, they could honor that. I think sometimes when, when we've been around, whether it's parents or bosses or ministry leaders who are intimidating and rude and crude and, and uh, fear-based, controlling, at some level, I'm not saying they're all dictators, but they, you know, they control in this way, and and we get exhausted by it. I get it. We get exhausted by it, and then we leave the family. You know, we we leave the house, we move out on our own, or we leave the ministry, or we leave the church, or whatever. We leave the we leave the the company, and we walk away, and we forget that there are things that we can honor. There are things that we can do. And you, we'll we'll see that. Actually, I'll just I'm just going to end here, end of the chapter. We're going to end with Saul's death because the next chapter is is uh, you know Second Samuel one, 
And we get to see David's response to the death of Saul and to Jonathan. And it's uh, it's something that we should spend some time on. So, yeah, we're just going to end here. I know it's kind of a forgotten chapter, this long, gruesome death of Saul. This guy who uh, who was shot and then tried to kill himself. And we'll find out next week. Actually, he he didn't he didn't do a good job of that either. He actually he actually was well. Okay, we'll deal with that next week. Bob, I know, I know. <laughs> the Bob engineer in my head is uh is saying don't get if you start now. Like I'm looking at the chapter right now and I'm like, oh, I could just say this and this and it's like no no no. Oh, you'll have another two hour podcast. All right, have a great day, everyone. We'll talk again next week. everyone thanks for listening if you like what you heard you can subscribe to this podcast on any platform you use you can also reach out to bob for questions or booking at thebobswitzer.com or email him at thebobswitzer at gmail.com see you next week guys